You're listening to the Forefront Church Podcast in New York City, where our vision is to see lives, neighborhoods, and our city renewed through Jesus. Hey, good morning, you guys. Oh, man. Everybody's feeling the cold. That's why like half of you are here this morning right now. My goodness. Okay, listen. Listen to me. I'm going to talk about rules today. I'm going to talk about rules. Uh, we started talking about this. All right, how many people here are rule followers? Who are my rule followers? I could tell. That's why you're here at church, because you're, you're the rule follower. How many? Yeah. Um, hey, rules are good. Rules are good things. Uh, you guys probably have a, you know, the issues when the, when the red hand is up and like, everybody's crossing the street and you're like, I shouldn't. Like, is, do you guys have issues with that? The rule followers? <laughs> rules are good. Rules keep us safe. Rules are important. They keep us safe. I had a friend the other day, and she was like, I love following rules. And I'm like, why? And she's like, because I feel safe. When I have rules, I feel safe. And rules do keep us safe. They're important. Um, Man, there was this time my wife and I were in India. We were in this place called Chennai, and uh, we had to cross the street. And the driver said to us, he goes, listen, um, no one's going to stop at the crosswalk when you cross the street because they don't follow the rules here. So you're not going to be very safe. And then the driver said this with all seriousness. You should plan on being hit by a car. That's what he said. So we're like, okay. And so then we, we go and we cross the street and he was right. Nobody followed the rules. Nobody um, helped us. And like we had to do, you guys remember the game Frogger? Like we had to do like the whole side to side, like cutting through and everything else. And I'm not even kidding. Like when we made it across the street, our driver gave us like a fist pump like we just won the Hunger Games. <laughs> he was like, yeah. Like really happy for us. Because rules keep us safe when you're not following them. You know, when you're not stopping at crosswalks, it's not safe. It's good to have rules. All right, where are my non-rule followers? Where are the ones who buck the trend? My wild stallions. You there? I like to think that I'm not a rule follower. I like to think that I am a wild stallion. I like to think that. I don't stop at crosswalks. I don't, and I know some of you don't either. And some of you, when that hand is red, you're just itching to go, you're trying to make your move across the street. Um, but I'm going to burst our bubble, okay? Non-rule followers, rule followers, you guys are in good shape. Non-rule followers, the truth of the matter is, we are all of us, every single one of us, following unconscious rules. We are. We're following unconscious rules that we have made up on our own, and we follow them. And a lot of the times, we do not even know why we're doing it. We don't even know. Uh, I'll give you another example. I, I have to wash my hair first when I get in the shower, and if I don't, my day is ruined. Okay, that's an unconscious rule that I follow, and I don't know why I do it. Uh, I make rules about how I spend my money. So I love experiences, I love good food, I love good drink, and so I'll spend hundreds, if not thousands of dollars on that stuff, but I've had the same crappy Ikea lamp in my apartment for 10 years because I don't want to spend any money on that. And I make rules about how I'm going to spend money. How about you? Do you make unconscious rules? You make rules, right? You make rules about uh, your schedule. The way you pack your schedule uh, is a way of making rules. The people you interact with, it's it's a set of rules that you have about who you're going to and who you're not going to interact with. You make rules. We make rules um, about the way we spend money. We make rules about spirituality. We do. My guess is that since you guys are sitting here on church on a really cold day, that you made a rule that says I value the discipline of church or I value the discipline of community or the discipline of following Christ. That's a rule that you've decided to make. But I think this, I, I say this for me too, I think sometimes these rules are unconscious. Why are we doing it? 
Sometimes we're like, yeah, I make this rule, I'm gonna go to church, but why? I'm not sharing my experience with Jesus, I'm just listening to somebody else share theirs. I make this rule and I'm gonna pray, and I'm, uh, it's a rule, but I don't really know why I do it, and so I don't pray all that often. With scripture, I make this rule that I'm, I'm gonna pay attention to the Bible, and I believe what this, this Bible says, except I'm not going to, uh, I don't really know what's in it. So I make a rule about it, but I don't know why I've made this rule. And the same goes for giving. Right? Some people give to the church, and there's that big word, I give to, I give to the church, because I'm not necessarily a part of the church, but I've made a rule, and so I follow it, and I'm not exactly sure why. And what I want to do today is I want to change the way we think about rules. That's what I want to do today. You guys want to know the Greek word for rule? Want to know it? One person said yes. The rest of you are like, stop it. Trellis. Trellis is the Greek word for rule. Anybody know what a trellis is? Jen knows what a trellis is. A trellis actually is like, it's like a stand, right? And what it does is it, it, you use it and it allows um, vines, like a lot of times grapevines, to grow upward. It allows them to grow upward. It allows them to grow bigger and it allows them to bear better fruit. That is the Greek word for rule, trellis. Kind of amazing. So with rules, even though they're unconscious and even though sometimes uh, we don't like them or whatever, they're, they're not made necessarily to keep us safe, although that's a good thing. They're made for us to grow upward. They're made for us to grow onward. They're made for us to bear good fruit. So we kind of need to reclaim the way we think about rules today. We need to reclaim the way we think about rules when it comes to giving when it comes to giving. Now we're in the middle of this rhythm series and if you were here last week, I said um, that, that in this series we're creating some fixed ropes, right? Some fixed ropes that kind of guide us in the middle of, of blinding storms and this rule of giving that we're gonna create today, I count it as another fixed rope that I believe will absolutely help us, okay? So we are gonna talk about giving. We're gonna talk about giving financially. If you're new here, welcome. Today we're talking about giving, okay? Uh, um, and so let's talk about the questions people have. People are like, why? Why do I need to give? Why do I need to create a new rule of giving? It's a big one. Another big one I hear all the time is, what about this 10% thing? Somebody told me in the Bible that it talks about giving 10%. Why do we have we made that rule? What does that look like? If I give, if I give, will I be blessed? That's a big one. If I make a rule on giving, will I be blessed? If I give to this church, will Jonathan spend it on... Mets tickets. Yes, I will. I went to the game last night. I'm a little sleepy. Um, no, I won't. I won't spend your money on Mets tickets. But anyway, why do we give? Why do we do it? What kind of rules do we make? Well, let's think about the why first. Why do we give? And let's think about the why incorporated with the 10%. And I want to do that by looking at Israel. Okay, there's this nation, Israel. It's freed from slavery. And as it's freed from slavery... Um, uh, there's a God who says, I want you to be a big and mighty nation, and in order to be a big and mighty nation, and in order not to be slaves anymore, in order to be free, you need infrastructure, okay? You need an infrastructure, you need rules, you need guidelines, you need to set yourselves up to become a nation. And so God gives uh, Israel all these rules to set themselves up to become a mighty nation. Uh, and it happens in the books of, of Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy. How many people have read those books, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy? How many people? A few of you. How many people think they're the most interesting books you've ever read in your life? Exactly. They're not. And you know why they're not? Because we're basically reading the Constitution of Israel. That's what we're basically reading. We're basically reading every single article, every single amendment, every single law. Okay, this is the infrastructure of Israel. It's not all that exciting, but we have it. It's right there in the Old Testament. And so if you're going to be a mighty nation... 
Okay, and if you're going to have some rules and if you're going to create infrastructure, then people have to pay into that, right? That's what a nation does. We pay taxes here, you gotta pay into that. And so this is what Leviticus says. It says every tithe of, a, of the herd and flock, every tenth animal that passes under the shepherd's rod will be holy to the Lord. No one may pick out the good from the bad or make any substitution. If anyone does, does make a substitution, both the animal and its substitute become holy and cannot be redeemed. This is why Leviticus is so action-packed, right? You all just got that right now, right? Here's what's going on. God is saying, hey, if we're gonna make a nation, you have to give 10% to me. And where did God live at that time? God lived in the temple, okay? And so you were giving 10% to the temple. Who was in the temple? Levites were in the temple. Who were the Levites? They were the priests. Guess what? Levites were not allowed to do anything else. They had to live in the temple, they had to worship in the temple. They made sacrifices on your behalf to God in the temple. They were the only ones that could make sacrifices. If anybody else tried to make a sacrifice, God would strike them dead. That was the belief, okay? So basically, God is saying, hey, the first thing we need to know is you're going to give 10% to the Levites because they can't go out and be farmers. They can't go out and be shop owners. They got to stay in the temple and make sacrifices on your behalf. So you are paying 10% to the Levites to keep you alive. That's basically what you're doing, all right? Do we get that? Do we follow it's a tax, 10%. Then Deuteronomy tells us this. It says, you're to seek the place of the Lord your God and you're gonna choose this place among your tribes and to that place you will go and you will bring offerings and sacrifices and tithes and gifts and free will of offerings and the firstborn of herd and flocks and there in the presence of the Lord you and your family shall eat and rejoice and everything you have should be put in your hand because the Lord your God has blessed you. What is this saying? It's saying, okay, there's another tithe. You got the 10% for the temple. You also got 10% that you're going to give to throw good parties. Does that sound all right to you guys? 10% to throw good parties. That's what you're doing. Now, some of you might be going, why are they paying to throw good parties? Well, how many people have ever sat out along the East River and watched the fireworks? Think those fireworks pay for themselves? No. How many people have gone and watched parades on Fifth Avenue? Think Fifth Avenue closes itself down? No, we pay for that. Our taxes pay for those things to happen, okay? So they're paying 10% to the temple, 10% for parties, and here's the last one. When you have finished setting aside a tenth of your produce in the third year, the year of the tithe, give it to the Levite, the foreigner, the fatherless, the widow, so they may eat in your towns and be satisfied. So now you're paying in third 10%. So let's add it up. We're paying 30%. This 10% goes towards the poor, once again, we pay a tax in America and our tax goes to social services. Our taxes go to help people who are poor. What we have here, let's review with our 10%, 10%, and 10%. What we have here is 30%. Now, I don't know how much money you guys make, but some of us are in a tax bracket here in America. We pay roughly 30% of our money to live in America, right? 30% of our money, this is the infrastructure in which we have, and we pay it for the privilege to actually be in this place. What you are reading in the Old Testament is tax law. I just went through tax law with you. That was pretty exciting, wasn't it? That's what we're reading about. We're reading about tax law in the Old Testament. Now, from this tax law that we just read about, we've created rules. We should give 10%. That's a rule we've created. Why did we create that rule? Why? Are we doing it unconsciously? And if we're giving 10%, which is great, by the way, but if we're doing it, why are you doing it? Sometimes giving feels a little bit like filling out a form for the IRS. Sometimes giving 
feels a little bit like paying your taxes on April 15th. I've never heard any one of you say, ooh, I can't wait to get on TurboTax when I get home. It's going to be amazing. I've never heard anybody say that. I've never heard anybody go, oh, I'm going to be with my accountant. I love that person. None of you have said that before. And with giving, we give, some of us give, and we don't know why. And really, we're giving because of an old, antiquated, outdated tax law that we see in the Old Testament. We got to create a new rule for this thing. We got to create a new rule for giving. So let's do it. You with me? Thank God. Let's go. Let's make a new rule. All right. So we're going to move to the New Testament. I want you to take out your iPhone apps, your Bibles. I want you to go to, um, to Galatians. Okay. And I want you to go to Galatians 2. Galatians is an incredible book. And so this church in Galatia and Paul's there. And this church, they're, they're people who are formerly Jewish, okay? And so being formerly Jewish, they love these laws. These laws keep them safe. This is the infrastructure that they have, right? And so they say to every new person who comes to their church, hey, we're Christians, but we follow the Jewish law because the Jewish law keeps us safe and it's good and it's infrastructure and it's allowed us to survive this long, okay? So you should follow the Jewish law with us. And then Paul shows up and Paul goes, no. Stop it. And this is what Paul says. He says, Know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus, that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, because the works of the law, no one will be justified. Paul's saying your old rules, they don't matter. Your old unconscious rules, you don't even know why you're doing them anymore. Okay, it's time for some new rules. It's time for it to make a new rule. And here's the new rule that Paul makes, ready? He says, for through the law, I died to the law so that I might live for God. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Christ lives in me. This is gonna get us to this new rule. Christ lives in me. I sang this song when I was a little kid. Um, Life without God's love is like a donut. There's a hole in the middle of your heart. That's creepy. Think about that. That's creepy. I used to think that's where God, uh, Jesus lived, like in my heart here, right? And, and as I've gotten older, the idea of Christ living in me, I'm crucified. I've died with Christ to the old law, and I have Christ living in me. This has, I'm more encouraged by this than I've ever been in my life, and I'm going to tell you why, Okay. We've talked a lot about science at this church, how science and faith, I believe, go together pretty well, okay? And so uh, one thing I talked about was that when you meditate and pray on a loving God, when you create a rhythm of prayer, your brain actually changes, your thalamus changes, right? And what happens to your thalamus is that um, it gets bigger, and because it gets bigger, you become more loving and you become more forgiving. That to me is amazing, right? Because by praying to God, you become more Christ-like. That's pretty cool. Guess what happens when you give? Guess what happens when you make a new rule of forgiving? You change. Your brain actually changes. When you start giving, when you start creating new rules of giving, when you start making up meaningful giving, you actually change. Your body changes. So when you give, here's what happens, all right? The mesolimbic pathways in your brain, those are your happiness pathways. When you give, they start working. They start moving. And you know what they do? They release dopamine. Dopamine is a happiness chemical. You know what else they release? Oxytocin. You know what that is? That is a tranquility chemical. So when you decide to give, when you decide to make a rule to start giving, 
Your body says, I like what's happening here. I'm going to release happiness chemicals into your brain and you're going to be more happy. And studies have proven that when you give and make new rules on giving, you have less depression. When you make new rules on giving, your stress level goes down measurably. When you make new rules and you give well, you live 63% longer than other people who do not give. These things happen when you give. This is what happens to you when you give. There was a study done, and this study was done um, by two schools. One was called the University of British Columbia. The other is this little school up in Massachusetts called Harvard. And when they did those studies, what they found is that they found that nothing boosts happiness more in a human being, not drugs, not relationships, not food, not anything else. The thing that boosts happiness the most as a human being is giving. That's what happens. Another study was done by University of Cal Berkeley. They said that giving, when you do it, not only does it release those chemicals and reduce stress and reduce depression and, and create a happiness boost and makes you live longer, but they said it actually creates a social connection. So now I'm not giving to something. I am a part of something. I own something. This matters to me. So maybe... Just maybe, if all these changes are happening to us in our body, right? If by us being selfless, by us giving to others, by us acting more Christ-like, all these changes happen, maybe, just maybe, that is Christ living in us. Is that possible? Is it possible that all those changes happening is Christ living in us? When we give, when we make new rules for giving, and we just don't say, I don't know why I'm doing it, but when we say, here's why I give. I give because I want to be more selfless. I want to love. We change. We physically change. That's Christ in us. That is Christ in us. That's exciting, too. So what do we do with it? What do we do? Why do we give? Why? Why should I give? I just said, I mean, like, it, we give because it changes us physically, changes our brains, changes our capacity. We live longer. That's why we give. When we're selfless that way, we take on the Christ. We, Christ lives in us. That's why. What about 10%? What about 10%? Well, I talked to you, 10% is kind of like that old tax law thing. And right now, some of you are going, oh, I'm off the hook. I don't have to give 10%. Here's what C.S. Lewis says. C.S. Lewis, I do not believe one could settle how much we ought to give, I'm afraid the only safe rule is to give more than we can spare. But then again, why wouldn't we want to give more if it's going to change us? If it's going to make us better, if it's going to make us grow in different ways, if we're going to be a trellis where we move upward and onward, why wouldn't we want to do that? Will Jonathan buy Mets tickets with it? No, I will not buy Mets tickets with it. Why wouldn't we want the joy of Christ plain and simple. And it happens by giving. So here's the challenge. And this is never a comfortable thing, but I absolutely believe in this, okay? And if you're new here, if it's your first or second or whatever time here, this part isn't for you, okay? This part is for people who are in this community, have been in this community for a little while. I want to challenge you to give today. I want to challenge you to absolutely give. And if you've given already, thank you. Giving matters, okay? Uh, and if you've given already, I'm going to challenge you to give consistently, that's what I want you to do. We have an end of the year campaign coming up. We're going to hear about it in about six weeks where we, we want to meet all our, our budget restrictions. And so we do that. And I want you to think about giving to our end of the year campaign as well. I want you to give. Giving changes people. Giving is Christ alive in us. Now, some of you are going, I'm afraid. And I don't want to do it. And I pay a billion dollars for an apartment. And it's difficult. 
And here's what I'm going to challenge you to do. I want you to pay yourself. I want you to pay yourself $10 a week for the next 10 weeks. Pay yourself 10 bucks a week for the next 10 weeks and then give it. That's what I'm asking you to do. $10 a week for the next 10 weeks and then give it. You can pay yourself that. You can go right in the back and set it up on the computer right now just to give it straight to the church. $10 a week for 10 weeks. We pay more for soda and pizza. We paid twice that to see Paul Blart Mall Club too. We can do it. We can do it. And don't do it because like somebody's putting a gun to your head to make you do it or don't do it out of obligation. Do it because it actually changes you, because it actually brings joy, because it actually releases the mesolimbic chemicals in your brain. Do it because you live longer. Do it because it ends stress, it ends depression. Do it because the joy of Christ is literally in you when you give. Do that. And here's the thing, the joy of Christ is literally in you when you give. And then guess what? When you actually give to this place, this church, our church, when you give here, it gets to change other people too. Absolutely changes other people too. The fact that we can be here on a Sunday is nothing short of a miracle. It costs us $1,800 a week just to meet on a Sunday. But you know why that happens? It happens because there are people who say, I create a new rule of giving and I'm giving to my church, our church. That's why it happens. When you create new rules of giving and you give to our church, do you know that every single week, every single week, we're going to Pathmark and we're buying gift cards. We're buying clothes. We're buying food for people who are coming in our doors and they need it. And that doesn't happen. We can't do that unless we're creating new rules of giving. Not only are we changing ourselves, we're changing others. Last month at the Science Mike event, uh, I'm there and the room is packed and I see this person that I, I've only met a couple times and she says, you know what, I am ready to leave the church but this event has changed my mind because uh, I finally feel like I can, I can really ask some good questions. And I finally feel like it's not an either or, like science and, and faith, they, they actually work together. And, and I feel like this, this is making me different. I feel like this is changing me. Thank you. And that doesn't happen. That event doesn't happen. That person's life isn't changed without us making these new rules of giving and then giving because it changes us. Not only does it change us, it changes others too. There are people at this church who have been unemployed, who have been struggling, who, who have had a tough time, and, and, and we're able to, to say, you know what, we have a little bit of extra money set aside to, for you to, to work. We have a little bit of money set aside to help. We have this, we, and the reason we have it is because you've made a rule for giving. It's because you have made a rule, a new rule on giving, and that you give, and that there's joy in that, and there's fulfillment in it. I challenge you to give, and start today. $10 a week for 10 weeks. Or give consistently. Or give $10 more than you give already. And don't do it because somebody's telling you to do it or you're obligated. That's the old law. That's the, that's the tax law that we just went through. That's what that is. Do it because there's joy. Do it because there's joy in God's people. Do it because there's God's joy in you. And it's not some creepy hole in the middle of your heart. It's your body physically changing, yourself physically changing. Do it because the greatest joy is when we are in community with ourselves and with one another and with God. It's this beautiful, perfect love. And listen, that's better than any tax law. That's better than any structure. That's better than any obligation. That's joy in me. It's joy in you. It's joy in us. It's joy in our church.
Amen. Heavenly Father, um, thank you for, for living in us. Thank you that we get to die to an old law and that you live in us now. And thank you that when you live in us, it physically changes us and makes us different. Thank you for that. Lord, I pray um, that your grace would be upon us when we forget. Lord, I pray your grace be upon me um, when I'm selfish and I don't want to give my time and myself. Help me remember that's, that you live in me. Lord, we pray that when we fall down and when we resist change, that you would pick us back up, show us mercy, and just change us one step at a time. Pray this all in your name. Amen.